How's it going tonight, everybody? We are Run The Real featuring Mike, Terry, Fox, and Dan. And we are back with our final movie in our psychological thriller category, Vertigo. Oh, is this really the last one? This is the last one. It's the third one, yeah. The end of the trilogy. Third one, but technically the fourth one. That's true. We did do Perfect Blue, which kind of led us to this rabbit hole. We do that a lot, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> we take inspiration from everywhere. Yeah. Anyways, our first movie was, uh, I guess, Perfect Blue. And we had Enemy, Jacob's Ladder, and now we got Vertigo. Who who picked Vertigo for us? That was me. Hey, Dan picked Vertigo. Those dank picks from Dan. <laughs> I know we, at least I brought up Vertigo a couple episodes ago, I think. Maybe somebody did, and that's that's what got me interested. I was like, ah, I haven't seen this. <laughs> I want to. <laughs> kind of surprised we haven't ever done a Hitchcock before. Yeah, you know, he's a big deal. He really is. For sure. He's, he kind of sounded like a mean guy. Didn't he bully his actors and stuff? Yeah, he did. Well, what, didn't he say that this movie flopped back in the day because James Stewart looks too old? That's what he said. Even though he's worked with them before. And arguably made his best movie with him previously too but we'll jump into all of that stuff here so vertigo um, was directed by alfred hitchcock and was released in 1958 currently on imdb it has 8.3 out of 10 putting it at number 78 in the top 250 on rotten tomatoes it has a 96 percent tomato meter and 93 percent audience score and i think this movie was it was nominated for a couple oscars i think it won some stuff too just a quick synopsis. I'm going to paraphrase the IMDb stuff here. Um, we have James Stewart, who's a former police detective, um, and he's kind of got this psychological thing going on when he's got fear of heights, and he becomes obsessed with this woman who appears to be possessed by someone who's already dead. Or is she? And as always, I think this is going to be a spoiler-heavy review, so... Just so you know. We will always spoil movies. Always. We always do. We just can't help ourselves. So what would you guys think about Vertigo? You know, it's so weird for me to see James Stewart as anything other than the dad and It's a Wonderful <laughs> Life. <laughs> like, he's almost like Will Smith to me, you know? He's always just James Stewart. I think this is the first movie I've seen with Jimmy Stewart in it. Really? You haven't seen It's a Wonderful Life? I have not. Oh, that is the best Christmas movie ever made. Just come to my house on Christmas TV. My dad makes me watch it every year. It's so good. It is the best Christmas movie. I will fight anyone who disagrees. What about Krampus? <laughs> Ooh. It's better than Krampus. Sorry. <laughs> oh, I, I will say, though, you know, Jimmy Stewart does seem a little old in this to be like dating a 26-year-old. In this movie, he like falls in love with this young woman who's 26, and he's definitely like in his 50s at least. It's a little weird. I don't know. I noticed that too, Terry, but that kind of thing doesn't like bug me that much. So I was just like, this is kind of weird, but I wouldn't go as far as Hitchcock did and say that it makes the movie bad because of it. No, I wouldn't go that far either. He's a good actor, isn't it? I assumed it was more acceptable for the time, but I guess it kind of sounds like some critics also might have commented on his appearance. Yeah, there was some weird stuff in this movie, but I wonder if it's like 
a thing of the times, the 50s and 60s, because there's some scenes that come off pretty cringy from Stewart's character when he interacts with um, the girl. I can't remember her name. At least I took it kind of cringy. Like? Well, towards the end when she's Judy and he's like, let me come in. I just want to talk to you. I just want to talk to you. Let me come in. But he was kind of crazy at that point anyways. Yeah, he's going a little crazy. And then like when she ran away from him when they were out by the uh, the coast and he just runs over there and he's just shaking her and stuff. It, it just comes off a little weird to me. Kind of like that Blade Runner scene, you know? <laughs> Wait, what Blade Runner scene? He like chokes her up against a wall and... Uh, it did kind of feel like that. Good call. It's not that bad, but it does feel weird. Yeah. The the later one in the movie, he's already gone crazy, so that kind of explains that one. And then the the other one you mentioned when she was running to the coast, I thought that he figured she was going to try and jump in the river and try and kill herself again. And so that's why he did what he did there. I do have to say I was very suspicious if this was going to be, actually be a psychological thriller until like halfway through. Because <laughs> I was like, <laughs> when are we going to get to the good stuff here? And then... Yeah, halfway through, we get that weird, trippy, animated thing in the middle. And I'm like, oh, okay, now he's going crazy. Okay, I get it. I get it. So I think that animated thing was like the first use of computer graphics in a movie. Really? Yeah, it was at least one of them. And that's from the IMDb trivia. It did like surprise me when that happened. I was like, what in the world? Like, this is <laughs> weird. It did catch me off guard. It reminds me of the animation in Pink Floyd's The Wall with like the weird flowery petals kind of peeling off like that. So did you guys like the movie? Here's what I'm going to say, and it might be controversial. Ooh. <laughs> but Ooh. I did not like it that much. I'm kind of torn on it. I thought it was slow and boring. The pacing was terrible. <laughs> like, There's like two different movies in here, I feel like. There's the half where he's following the woman and like trying to figure out this mystery of like, is she possessed or what? What's the deal? And then I feel like the other movie could be him losing somebody and then stalking people and trying to find a replacement for her. I just don't feel like they meshed that well together. It felt like two different ideas that they just kind of like crammed into it. Like a double feature on the Twilight Zone. Yeah, maybe a little <laughs> bit. Have you seen other Hitchcock movies, Terry? I'm just curious. Yeah, yeah. I like The Birds. I like Strangers on a Train a lot. I like Psycho a lot. And I think this is a huge step below any of those that I've seen. Okay. At least in terms of like pacing. Because usually he can, Hitchcock, you know, he'll grab me with his characters. They're talking and they're interacting with each other. And he kind of like builds tension with that. But with this, I was like, oh, let's get on with it. We're just seeing him drive around and follow this lady. It's a turtle's pace, and then there's nothing going on, it feels like. Yeah, for the first half, it is pretty slow. I'll say I was pretty intrigued with the concept that was presented, that this woman's possibly being possessed by her like great-grandmother. Yeah, that was a good idea. And it's like, I wasn't expecting that at all. So I was really interested in what she was doing, kind of like what James Stewart was in the movie. So I actually liked him following her around and seeing all the weird things that she's doing every day and trying to figure out if she's doing it as herself or as Carlotta or if it really is a possession or if someone's making it up. Obviously, I like the second half better because <laughs> a lot goes down in the second half. But the slow buildup to when 
Madeline falls off the bell tower at the mission, I thought was pretty pretty well done. It could have been a bit faster, I'll agree, but I liked all the steps he took to build up that aspect of is is she possessed by somebody or not yeah it was interesting but i feel like you could have cut like that hour that first hour down to like 20 30 minutes and had the same impact and gone a lot quicker with it because yeah it feels like the real movie you have to wait a whole hour to get to yeah i agree he could have cut it down some but i guess another thing in favor of it being longer is you get attached to the actual characters more and then when you have the dramatic character shift in the second half for both of them it just makes it even more uncomfortable then because you're so used to seeing them how they were yeah that's true i'll give you that dan that is a maybe what makes it so cringy is that you've seen him be a better guy for the first half of the movie i know at least for me that whole second half i was like squirming i was so uncomfortable i was like this is just wrong (laughs) on so many levels this is awful but not not the movie was awful but the the, what was going on was awful (laughs) that's what my girlfriend said she was like i hate this i mean not the movie but what's happening (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) yeah it gets under your skin a bit because you just see james stewart's character trying to turn this girl into madeline he's like i'm going to take you and change you into what i want you to be who is this dead girl who i fell in love with that's what was most uncomfortable for me you can see how it's destroying her over time where she's like i don't want to do this i don't want to wear that but she'll give in to him because mm-hmm. she just wants that chance to <laughs> for him to love her for who she is but it's not gonna work out that way because she's not the same person at that point. Yeah, and that's the best part of the movie, I think, is yeah, them together and him trying to like morph her into who he wants her to be. I think I'm kind of in between the both of you's TV and Dan. You know, like I liked the movie. I like the mystery part quite a bit, but I don't really get why it's considered to be like potentially his masterpiece and even considered by some to be the greatest movie ever made. Like it was good. But that's kind of where I think it goes for me. It's just, it was good. I, I wouldn't go so far as to say it was like a masterpiece. Like to me, movies like Deep Red and Suspiria were a better mystery. I think maybe a lot of that comes from the groundbreaking it did when it released, possibly. Because, I mean, it did a really good job with color usage and stuff throughout the film that a lot of people really hadn't done at that point. And then... Of course, there's a ton of themes that are built into this movie, too, that um, you really got to think about or watch somebody do a critical analysis. It's not as apparent as a lot of or as the other three movies we've watched, but it's got a lot of themes built in there for. Well, the movie's called Vertigo. So the whole theme is about people falling, right? James Stewart's character has vertigo, so he's afraid of falling. You've got the two characters falling in love with each other. You've got James Stewart falling into depression and then falling into his um, insanity and things going throughout that, which I was like, ah, now I get why he actually titled this vertigo as <laughs> compared to something else yeah that is interesting i hadn't even thought about that yeah that's kind of cool that is i did expect his like vertigo illness to like come up more too feels like we get it at the beginning and then they just ignore it until like the second half of the movie 
I mean, I guess that kind of thing wouldn't pop up all the time, really, in real life either, probably. But it's just, if it's the title and that's like his big character flaw, then I feel like they should probably do a little bit more with it. (laughs) They used it more in the themes of the film as opposed to the actual phobia (laughs) or illness, I guess. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's his best film either. I I do see what you're saying about like the groundbreaking, especially in terms of color and camera work. I mean, there was a lot of times where I was just like, look at that shot. Look at that composition. Who cares what they're even talking about? Just look at that thing. It genuinely is one of those kind of movies. Especially the shot when he finally gets uh, Judy transformed back into Madeline, and it does that pan in on his face as his expression's changing, and then it looks like uh, Madeline is a ghost at first and is materializing just from the way the lighting and the colors were done. I was like, man, this was worth watching just for that shot alone. That's awesome. (laughs) That's a good shot. And some some of like the color flashing and stuff, like when he's dreaming, I thought that was really cool. And then like I think there's a scene where yeah, Madeline's sitting there and there's like green behind her and it's it looks really good. So this is the first time you guys have all seen this, right? I'm the only one who's seen it before. Correct. Yep. First time. I kind of felt like you did, Terry, the first time I watched this, where I was like, This is really slow, nothing's really happening. And then it ended and I was kinda like, Why is this considered a really good movie? But uh, it grew on me a lot this second time I've watched it. And I didn't think it was so slow. I think compared to other Hitchcock movies, I've seen this one feels different. So like the first time I was watching it, I went in expecting a Hitchcock movie. This one just doesn't feel exactly like it until the last half of it. So it's kind of weird and off-putting, I think, for the first time watching it. Hmm, okay. I did buy it years ago. I have it on Blu-ray, so (laughs) (laughs) might as well get my money's worth, I suppose. Yeah, give it a couple years, because the first time I watched it, I was going on this like kick through the IMD Top 250 movies where I was trying to watch as many of them as I could, and that's why I watched it. And I was kind of like, hmm, I just watched, you know, uh, The Green Mile. And (laughs) compare that to Vertigo, I'm like, hmm. It just kind of does feel a little weird the first time you watch it, I think. I will say the twist felt a little weird, too. That They just happened to find somebody who looks just like Madeline so that he could kill his wife. I felt that was kind of like, okay, (laughs) sure. Like, I was expecting a twin or something, you know, which seems a little more plausible. But no, it's just they just found somebody, I guess, to to do it. The shot where the like he chucks his wife off the bell tower almost looked a little slapstick to me. I will say that was a little goofy. <laughs> he might as well have had her tied up to like some railroad tracks and been wearing like a top hat and a black cape. The dastardly devil. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it works better because you don't see his actual wife. Until the sh- the shot where he chucks her off the bell tower. That's true. I, I mean, it's like a pulpy thing, but it you know it it just felt like somebody would notice that right away, kind of. And also, you know, when Jimmy Stewart's following her around all day, I feel like she definitely would have noticed that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like Judy probably did, in fact, notice him, and you know, she knew he would be there. But I just feel like he was doing a very bad job of being discreet. Like, yeah, Mister policeman here (laughs) following directly behind pulling into the same alley yeah (laughs) yeah i I did think that too i was going man 
he's doing a terrible job following her. Granted, it's revealed later that that was the plan, that she knew he was following her, but still, he didn't do a good job of hiding it. I mean, I don't think we, you know, we don't have any confirmation that he was like a great cop, you know? That's true. Yeah. All we have is the scene where he biffs the jump to the other building and lets his buddy fall. <laughs> <laughs> he had vertigo. What do you expect from him? Come on. <laughs> Poor guy. I get that. I hate heights, too. Supposedly that uh, that camera shot where they would like zoom out and zoom back in, zoom out, zoom back in was pretty much a big deal back then, too. It's one of the first times they did it. Yeah, you see that all the time now in horror movies, that shot. Oh, yeah, for sure. So this is, yeah, <laughs> very influential. I guess it doesn't, it doesn't have as big an impact now since we're used to it. and We're <laughs> revisiting this so far in the future. But yeah, a lot of these earlier films really established how all modern movies do shot composition and things like that. So it's always good to give credit to these ones so there's a moment in this movie where he follows her to her hotel room and she disappears was that because it was the real wife was there or what how did that even happen was it the ghost because it's revealed later that there was no ghost and they were just like playing it up but that was a weird moment like because that's when i was like okay so it is some sort of haunted thing going on here but then they kind of just don't acknowledge it ever again the hotel clerk never even saw her come in or anything and the key was still there that one's unexplainable i think <laughs> it's hitchcock doing hitchcock things because that's a very hitchcock thing i find that the reincarnation thing in this film pretty interesting i think maybe you can take it that way like they were all the reincarnation of the their past selves especially when after the courtroom or not, they weren't in a courtroom after the little... What What would you call that? I don't even know. The impromptu kangaroo historical court. Yeah. They're hearing quotation marks, I guess. Um, after that, they did that flashback to like Carlotta and her husband and then that other guy. I'm wondering if Hitchcock was going for that angle too, like... This was predetermined to happen because they're all reincarnations of these characters again. And maybe part of the vertigo comes from him realizing that or something. I don't know. I'm just grasping at straws with that. Because <laughs> Judy's always like wearing green and around green stuff. And when they go to the Sequoia Forest, she says that thing, always living, always green or whatever. I, I felt like he wanted us to think it was a reincarnation thing after that. It's kind of a red herring because then the twist is that it was all just a story that they made up. So he's just trying to fool us at that point is what I thought. Yeah, which I mean, I, that's what I thought up until like the twist. Yeah. <laughs> well, what if Carlotta didn't like reincarnate in her great granddaughter but reincarnated in judy though Ooh. that's what that's kind of what i was getting at not the wife but judy was the reincarnation of carlotta because she was so desperate to be loved mm -hmm. exactly now that's an interesting thing hmm. and yeah like, like you said they've got all the colors that represent and go back with the themes and stuff so I'd have to watch it again to see if it makes sense, but that was one thing I wasn't sure about, but it's interesting. It's another layer to this packed movie <laughs> already, right? It might or may not work out, but it's it's interesting to think about considering where all the characters end up 
at the end of the film, if it was predetermined or if all their choices led them to that outcome. Yeah, I do wish they would have focused more on the reincarnation stuff, but feels like they shift focuses pretty drastically. Yeah, in the second half. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's definitely not the main theme, but it's sprinkled in there enough. I was interested in it. And it kind of gives um, tangibility to the actual possession storyline that's going in there. Like maybe it was somewhat real. And that's why the husband, I forget his name, why the husband wanted to get or stop it, basically. I don't, he didn't want to stop it, though. He wanted the wife to die. Kill the wife to make it stop, basically. Oh, because she was acting weird and stuff? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then in the past lives, the husband rode off Carlotta, too, and then was done with her. So it still follows with that past stuff, everything that happens in this film. So I, it's like, I can't put it away. It's in, it's really intriguing. Even though I know that's not the main focus of the film, it's, I don't know, it, it would really change a lot of how I view the movie if, if it works out that way, I think. Yeah, I wish that would have been more prevalent in the movie because that's a lot more interesting, I think. And it would have added another, you know, kind of layer to the plot. That wasn't just kind of themes. It would have added another story layer, made it more ambiguous, which I think we we keep bringing up every psychological thriller. We're like, (laughs) should it be ambiguous? Should it not be ambiguous? And I feel like this one could have been better for me if it was more ambiguous. Yeah, that actually segues into my biggest flaw with this film. Ah. Let's hear it. So... Being ambiguous, right? That's something Hitchcock is not a big fan of. (laughs) He literally ruins the end of Psycho by explaining his plot to you. (laughs) And Vertigo does the same thing, where Judy sits down and tells the audience everything that happens. Like, I am Madeline, and I worked with this dude to kill his wife. And it completely ruins all the tension from that mystery when she does that, because Hitchcock is afraid that audiences aren't going to figure it out. And it's like, this even came out before Psycho, so the master's suspense is ruining his suspense by putting these little things in there that just ruin it. Because just think, if she hadn't have done that, we would have spent the entire rest of the film up until she walks out of the bathroom and looks like the ghost wondering if she really was Madeline or not. And then when she comes out of the bathroom, that would be an even more impactful scene because you'd be like, holy crap, it really is her. And then you wouldn't be sure still until you get to the end and then uh, James Stewart goes crazy and then Madeline eventually dies. And even then, you could still put the pieces together like he did, but you wouldn't be 100% sure. You gotta remember, this came out in 58. Back then, there wasn't a lot of movies that, you know, didn't ham-fist you stuff. Until you get, like, Kubrick coming along a little bit later. But back then, yeah, they were kind of just ham-fisting their stories down. Which... Don't get me wrong, I completely get it, and I completely understand why, but I mean, just think of how much more of a game changer this would have been if he wouldn't have done that. If he wouldn't have done that, this would have been, I think, so much better than what it was already, and um, I mean, Hitchcock's already was a game changer. 
don't get me wrong, but I think it could have been even more so with this film if he if he just wouldn't do that with his movies. <laughs> yeah, and I think well, and his whole philosophy for suspense was kind of I don't think it works necessarily in this case, but you know, it's like you have two people eating at a table, and then you show the audience that there's a bomb, but you don't tell the rest of the characters that there's a bomb, and it adds suspense. And that's kind of the tactic I feel like he was taking here. You know, he's showing the audience what happened, but he's not telling Jimmy Stewart what happened. But yeah, I agree. It doesn't work the same way. Yeah. And it doesn't work because I think throughout his going insane at the end of the film, basically, I think he might have had just a little bit of doubt that Judy was not Madeline, right? And that's why he kept pushing instead of being happy. Most of it was he was just in love with her and going through grief that he wanted to reincarnate her and bring her back. But I think he might have had a little bit of doubt in there, too. And that's partly what, what kept him going, too, I think. It's it's not the same type of suspense in this film as like it is in his other ones. I agree. That's my biggest problem with it. It like overshadows all the other things I could bring up. I like that phrase. I'm going to use that phrase in the future. What phrase? Bomb under the table. From the master of suspense himself. Terry. That's right. (laughs) I invented that story. Nobody else. (laughs) Another complaint I have is I think that the final death of Madeline or Judy or whatever is really lame. It's so lame. It is. She gets scared by the nun and just falls off the cliff. Really? Whoopsie daisy. Yeah, that could have been more impactful because I was sitting there thinking, why the hell did she fall off or what spooked her so much about that nun? <laughs> it's just a random nun. Yep. So Yeah, I, I can't get it because I rewound it and watched it again just to see if I missed something. And I was like, maybe um, she was scared that uh, James Stewart was going to throw her off the edge. And when the nun comes out, it looks like the looming shadow of death coming for her. And she freaked out, maybe. That's the best thing I can come up with on that. But, I mean, it's still not very great. No, yeah, like, have her jump off herself or have Jimmy Stewart throw her off, like, just commit to something. Like, it just feels so cheap that she just got scared and fell. What I really enjoyed was that the nun who startles her to her death goes, oops, and proceeds to ring the bell. <laughs> it's like, oh, dear. <laughs> Sorry. I came up here to ring this anyways. I heard voices. Yep. <laughs> Someone fell off. Oh, no. Did I do that? Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Truly was an inspiration. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I thought that was kind of dumb, but whatever, I guess. It it brings it full circle. He has another traumatic event and loses his vertigo because he's fallen as far as he can go at that point. I think, yeah, it makes sense to bring her back. I like the symmetry of that, but yeah, just the way they executed it was kind of weird. If he just didn't bring in a random character, we don't even know who it is at the very end. But whatever. Yeah, it's an old movie, I guess. What I don't know. And it's based off a book. Maybe that's what happens in the book, too. Maybe, yeah. I don't know. I have not read said book. I feel like we've bashed on this movie quite a bit. What's something that everybody really got out of this one that they liked? 
I think the second half when the weird animation pops up and like the lights are flashing, I think that's the best part about this movie. I think it's really cool and interesting. And it probably, yeah, did blow some minds back in the day too. I think that's the really the coolest part about this movie. Yeah. I mean, you know, for me, it's got to be the camera work, the cinematography. Robert Burks is like a master and it really shows in here. So many times I was just like, hold the phone. Who even cares what they're doing? Look at this freaking painting of a film. (laughs) I think my favorite part was the kind of unnerving drama bit towards the end where James Stewart was trying to change um, Judy into this dead girl that he fell in love with, this dead character. That was really uncomfortable, and it was probably my favorite part. That's my favorite part too, Mike. It's just... So well done, and I haven't seen another movie do that before, really, or take that angle with their main characters. So, I, I at least I can't think of another movie that addresses these themes in this way, and it really is unique and stands out a lot. It takes a lot to make me squirm, I'm sure everybody knows that by now. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah that whole like last half of the movie just made me so uncomfortable and it was it got a lot of suspense out of that just seeing how far is he gonna take this is really really well done and i haven't seen anybody tackle it that way or do it in a better way i guess so we ready for overall presentation i think so might as well Yeah, sure, sure. All right, so we've got a scale. From lowest to highest, we have burn it, pass, watch it, or buy it, in that order. So we kind of even them out at the end from all of our little spiels and try to get to like one conclusion, but you know, sometimes it doesn't happen because we all pick different things. So I guess we'll see. That's where the tension lies. Ooh, (laughs) the suspense. What are they going to say? I've been thinking about where I'm going to put this one. Um, this is the second time I've seen it. The first time I talked about this a little bit earlier, I was kind of like, hmm, weird. Why is this in the top 250? And I did enjoy it and pick up more stuff this time around. But we've also been talking about movies a lot more since the <laughs> first time I saw this. So I've gotten a lot more critical and able to pick up on more stuff. I can see why this was influential, but I can't give this one a buy it because for me, I would not buy this movie. I think seeing it twice is probably good for me. And that's not saying it's bad. So I'm going to give it a watch it if you're, you know, going through a, a Hitchcock phase or a, just trucking through the IMDb top 250. Watch it, but. I would not buy this movie. Yeah, I kind of, I, I, I agree with you, Mike, in a number of ways here. You know, it is a good movie, but do I, I need to see it again soon or will I ever see it again? Eh. But that said, you know, I think anytime we pick apart or pick out a movie, it's because we care and we do it with love because this movie did genuinely spark some conversation and some critical thinking. So in my mind, that does make it worth a watch. You know, I I can't say I had like a blast watching it, but I'd recommend you watch it if only to have something to think about, something to chat about. Yeah, I've been having trouble thinking about where I'm going to land on this one too, but it's more in between like a pass or a watch it. I really felt like this movie was a slog and not a lot happened in the first half. Like it brings up an interesting premise, but it doesn't really capitalize on it. And then it just totally shifts gears and it feels like a totally different movie in the second half. And I do like the second half a lot more than the first half, but it still just kind of has some huge pacing issues for me. 
there's some really cool stuff in there with like the visual effects. The shots are really good. The lighting's really good. But I don't know. I think maybe I need to see it again and I might change my rating later. But right now, I think I'm going to give it a pass. I found it pretty slow and boring. So we did not convince him with our discussion. (laughs) Nope. Not this time. Maybe next time. So, um, I'm pretty much the opposite of what Terry said on this. Um, I too found the premise very interesting. Um, it's like a really old style mystery that you don't get anymore, which was refreshing to see. And I was generally interested in what was going on the whole time. I do consent that the first half is pretty long, and I think it could have been trimmed up some more to make it better, make it flow a little easier. But it all serves a purpose for the second half of the film because you get attached to the characters and it makes it even more um, uncomfortable to watch in the the second half of the film. Like we said, shot composition, the visual effects are great. I'm always going to remember that shot in the hotel that I talked about earlier. The music is excellent in this film. I like to bring up the music when I can. I liked it a lot more than I thought I would after seeing it, like reflecting back on it. I kind of want to watch it again, just to look at all my theories on things that could be happening and to help unpack all the deep meanings and themes that are in this film. I think surprisingly i'm gonna give this a buy it i liked it quite a bit i mean my biggest criticism was that he gives away what happened in the second half of the film but i get why it's in there and i mean if you own it you could just like skip that part if you're showing it to somebody and then it's gonna make it an even better experience for that person if they haven't seen it before it's not my favorite hitchcock film i still like rear window the best but i think this one was pretty good too (laughs) dang dang to buy it you know and i did buy it already which is the sad thing i assumed i would love it because i do like alfred hitchcock but who knows? Maybe it'll give me an excuse to watch it again, I guess. You know, I'll just... Yeah. Change your tune. <laughs> yeah, we'll see if maybe I, I'm i like Mike and I appreciate it better the second time. Hey, so that rounds out to a watch it, right? I guess so. Vertigo, a watch it. So, I think we had formulated kind of a plan for what we were going to be doing. Aw, uh, yeah. Oh, here it comes. I'm so excited. It's going to be a really... Long series, a very long series, but we're going to try to build up to the newest Star Wars film that's coming out by reviewing every single Star Wars film. Oh, man. Live action film. Not the holiday special, though, unless you guys really want to do that one. (laughs) Yeah, we'll see. I don't know about that one. (laughs) We're going to be doing them in timeline order so like episode one episode two episode three rogue one solo's next then rogue one solo's next then rogue one then episode four five six seven eight yes i know we've had a lot of like little comments here and there from some of our hosts of dissing on star wars (laughs) (laughs) maybe so this will finally give them a place to just let loose and i'll just have to sit back and bear it and do my best Man, this, this is good. We can get our opinions out there for everybody oh, to know. Geez. We can 
express our displeasure with episode seven and eight. I've already laid that trauma to rest. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what we think when we get there. I am genuinely excited, though, because I love Star Wars. So this is going to be fun, I think. Oh, boy. It'll be a that's a, this is a very ambitious series. <laughs> yeah. I'm really interested to see everyone's opinions on one through three. So I guess, you know, we probably won't be taking recommendations for a while because we've got like 10 weeks of movies to get through. But, you know, we'll be free after that. So get your recommendations ready. Send them now so we can plan our next movies and stuff. We want to know what you want us to cover. Got any category ideas or anything? Let us know. Yeah. And let us know what you think of the movies that we reviewed. Do you think Vertigo was good? Is it overhyped? Yeah. That's the question. You can hit us up on runtherealpodcast.gmail.com, email us there, or you can find us on Facebook at Run The Real or on Twitter at Run The Real. So find us. Talk to us. Yeah. Tell Dan what your favorite Hitchcock film is and why it's Rear Window. (laughs) (laughs) Well. All right. Well, thanks for listening to us tonight, everybody. We really appreciate it. This is Run The Real signing off. Mm -hmm.